you, Dustin, and worship team, and what a joy it is to worship together. Let me add just another word of welcome to Calvary Church. We're glad that you're here. We're going to enter into a time when we study God's Word together, so, um, so if you have a Bible, I'd invite you to turn to the book of 2 John. 2 John. Now, it's a small book, and it can be hard to find. Don't be embarrassed. I still struggle with it. The best way to find it is to, well, if you have a phone, that's pretty easy. But if you go to the back of the Bible and just start to flip to your left, after you get past Revelation and then Jude, you will come to 3 John and then 2 John, and you'll be there. And let me just say something, that we are a church that believes in the inerrancy and inspiration and infallibility of God's Word. So the Bible is really important. And if you don't have a Bible, um, we've got them kind of around the sanctuary. We've got them in the back. We've got large print Bibles back there. We've got some Bibles by the exits. There should be some in the front of the seats in front of you. Um, Listen, if you're here and you don't have a Bible, uh, we would love for you to take one of those and start to read it. Um, But at the very least, uh, we'd love for you to follow along as we study God's Word because it's important that what I teach comes from God's Word, and it's important that you check what I say against God's Word Uh, because I'm not the authority. God's Word is the authority. Um, Before I get into the text for the day, I just want to make a few quick um, kind of um, announcements. We had about 10 people join the church in a new members class last week. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be announcing um, those members to you. Some of them you know, uh, they're familiar, but uh, membership's an important covenant relationship between a believer and a church where we commit to follow Jesus together. So um, if you're here and you're looking for a church home where you can join and serve and be in a covenant relationship, we'd love to talk to you about that. Um, there are some cards as you leave on the black tablecloth table, and it says, Calvary Church, you're invited. Uh, it's just an interesting fact that the number one reason people come to church is because somebody invited them. Isn't that amazing? With all technology, it still boils down to somebody just inviting you to church. Um, and that can be a little bit of an awkward conversation. This is just a little invitation. So as you're leaving today, maybe if God puts somebody on your heart, grab one of these and hand it to them, and it has our It has our service times, it has our website, all the information you might need. And uh, lastly, lastly, uh, we have cards uh, in front of the chairs. And if you need prayer or if you need some pastoral uh, counseling or contact, I want to encourage you to fill one of these out and you can hand it, you can put it in one of the black boxes as you leave. And I'm just going to confess over the last couple weeks, we haven't been great about getting with people in a timely manner. And we're going to change that. So if you fill one of these out, or if you had filled one of these out, we, we were going to be in contact with you because we want to know specifically how we can be praying for you. And if there's a need in your life, we want to make sure that we are the, the hands and feet of our Lord Jesus Christ and show you love in tangible ways. So uh, fill one of those out if you would. Okay, the book of Second John. We're in a sermon series called Small Book, Mighty Message. And we're studying the five smallest books in the Bible. And, um, and today we're in 2 John, and we're going to study the whole book of 2 John today. Don't worry, it won't take as long as you think. It's a small book, but it's filled with important things because all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for correction, instruction, and reproof. 
And we don't want to skip any of it. We want to get everything that we can out of it. So let me read 2 John and then I'll pray for us. Follow along, if you would, as I read. Whatever version you have, you'll be able to follow along. Verse 1. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ the Father's Son in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to this commandment. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have got out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is a deceiver and the Antichrist. Watch yourselves. Do so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him a greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that your joy, so that our joy may be complete the children of your elect sister greet you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we need you. We need your spirit to open our eyes. As Paul says in Ephesians 1.18, we pray that your word by your spirit would enlighten our hearts, our understanding. God, we're filled with doubt. We're filled with fear. We're filled with worry. We're filled with anxiety. We're filled with sin. And we need you, Heavenly Father, to cleanse us by the blood of your Son, to convict us by the power of your Spirit, to enable us to repent, to truly surrender parts of our lives that we know are not right. Lord, I pray that somehow, Lord, in ways that are totally beyond me, the light of your word would shine into some dark corner of our heart, some dark corner of our life, that as we've sung, Jesus would truly be Lord of all of our life. That's our desire. Make it so. In Jesus' name, amen. I love a good 80s movie. And a staple of a good 80s movie is the music montage. It's the part of the movie when everything's going wrong and a person has got to keep going And so you see the person doing all the hard things to the sound of a great song. Think Rocky working out to the song, Eye of the Tiger. You can hear it now, can't you? Um, Or or the, the, the pilots taking off the aircraft carrier to the song, Highway to the Danger Zone. That's a, that's a music montage. But my favorite, my favorite Music montage comes from the Karate Kid. As Daniel is getting ready for the All-Valley Tournament, you hear him in his competition, the song, You're the Best Around. No one else can ever take you down. And you're watching it, and you're listening, and you're thinking, I think I could even win the All-Valley Karate Tournament. The music keeps us going 
It motivates us. It encourages us. Second John does the same thing. This little book is intended to motivate us to keep going, keep trusting Jesus, keep following his word, even in the midst of life's challenges and hardships. The mighty message is that the truth matters for the believer. The truth of God's word is all the motivation you need to keep going. You think you need your circumstances to change, but really you need God's word to inspire you with motivation and with obedience. God's word is all the motivation we need to keep trusting Jesus and fight another day. So this book, 2 John, is written by a person called the elder to a person called the chosen lady and her children. Look at that in verse 1. The elder to the elect lady and her children. And you think, well, who's that? Well, there's debate about who this is, but really the church has always understood that this is John. This is the Apostle John who writes the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. And if you read those books, you'll know it's obvious. This is John. A lot of the same words, a lot of the same themes. The internal evidence of the book itself makes clear who's writing the book. And so John writes this book to a person he calls the chosen lady, which is just an analogy for a local church. Throughout the Bible, the, the Bible refers to the people of God as, um, as a lady or as the bride. You've sometimes heard of the bride of Christ. And so, so the elder is John, and he's older in age, so he's got kind of a paternal posture towards the church. He loves using the word children. So the church is the lady, and the children are the saints. And you see in verse 13, if you look at the end of the book, he says, the children of your elect sister greet you. This isn't a literal family. This is the church, and one church is greeting another church through the apostle John. That's what's going on. And this book isn't just for them. It's for all of us. Notice what he says in verse 1. He says, the elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, not only I, but also all who know the truth. So in 2023, this book is just as applicable to us as it was to them. And John says, I love you in the truth, and they love you in the truth. And it's this really encouraging picture of Christians loving each other in the truth. Loving each other in the truth. And so this book isn't just for them, it's for us. And when we read it, you probably noticed the word truth mentioned over and over again. In fact, the title of my sermon is Truth Matters. Truth Matters. You notice in verse 1, they love in the truth. In verse 2, um, it's because of the truth in us that will be with us forever. In verse 3, he mentions truth and love, and on and on and on, John wants to encourage us with the truth. It's a beautiful thing that as Christians, we don't hide from the truth. We don't live in la-la land. We're not buying into lies and fantasies and fables. As Christians, we've come to know the truth. And it's what binds us. And it's what makes us love each other. 
The Bible calls us out of the dark and into the light, out of lies and into the truth. So what does this mean, this truth? Well, John is writing to those who have heard the gospel and believe the gospel, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, so the truth refers to Christ and his word. Christ is the word incarnate. This is the written word. And so the truth that is to unite us, that matters, is the truth of Christ and his word. And you can't separate Christ from his word. You can't say, I love Jesus, but not the Bible. Any more than you can say, I love you, but I don't want to hear you talk. That doesn't work. So if we love God, we love his word. If we love Jesus, we love the truth of his word. Ray Van Ness says that the truth is synonymous with the gospel. The gospel matters. God's word matters. Not just, not just John 3.16, but Genesis to Revelation. We're to stick with the word. And notice that John says, don't go beyond. Look at verse 9. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching. So this is our job as Christians. It's to not take anything away from the Bible and don't add anything to the Bible. Uh, fundamentalists sometimes add things to the Bible, and liberals take away from the Bible, and we want to be biblical Christians who read the Bible, and we believe what it says, and we seek to live in obedience to Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. And so John says the truth matters and he writes the letter of, the, of 3 John as well. And you'll notice that in, um, if you've ever read the Gospel of John chapter 15, you know that John says that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And if you look in verse 2 of 2 John, look in verse 2. He says, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. The word abides in us. It's living, the Bible says. Scripture is living and active. And the truth of God in Christ, when Christ dwells in you at the moment of your conversion, Christ will never leave you and his word will never change. So as you're navigating life and everything's changing, and that can be discouraging and that can be scary, John wants us to know that truth never changes. The truth of the gospel never changes. The truth of scripture never changes. The world is changing, but scripture is not. No wonder Jesus invites us to build our house on the rock. The rock of what? Him and his word. Him and his word. It's an unchanging foundation for your life. So John loves Jesus, he loves the church, he's writing to the church and to believers about the importance of truth. Truth matters, it mattered then, it matters now, it matters for all of life. The truth is what unites us, it's what saves us, it's what changes us. You've heard the truth, and John is saying, keep walking in the truth. Now truth matters in a couple different ways. First, truth reveals Truth reveals. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. That's pretty important, don't you think? It's pretty important whether or not you have a relationship with God or not. Well, how do you know? How do you know? 
Well, he answers his own question. He says in verse 9, anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching does not have God. And so when we abide in the teaching of God's word, when it matters to us, when it's an authority in our lives, when it changes us, when it shapes us, we can know that we belong to God. But if you don't care about God's word, if it has no authority in your life, if it doesn't matter, if candidly you don't care, then you need to at least be honest about the fact that you have yet to come into a saving relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And John doesn't say that because he's mean. He says it because he loves us. Don't you want to know where you stand with God? Don't you want to know that when you die, you'll stand before God forgiven, redeemed, welcomed into eternal life? Doesn't that matter to you? Don't you think about death? Of course you do. And John loves these people. John's an old man. He's probably thinking about the day he'll go to be with Jesus. And he's confident that when he stands before God, he'll be welcomed in because of the blood of Jesus Christ, evident through his love of the word. Truth reveals. It reveals where we stand with God. Second, truth separates. Truth separates. Look at verse 7. In verse 7, it says, For many deceivers have gone into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. These deceivers have gone out into the world. So the idea is that all around the world, all around the world, which for John would have meant the Jews and the Greeks, all around the world, you will find the gospel being preached and also people deceiving other people. Now, didn't Jesus warn that many false teachers would come? Of course he did. And John says truth matters because the truth will reveal where you stand with God and it will reveal where others stand with God. And some deny that Jesus came in the flesh. Now early in the church, Christians believed that Jesus is God in the flesh. Read John chapter 1. The word became flesh. In other words, if you would have seen Jesus when he was on earth, and if you would have run up and given him a hug, your arms wouldn't have passed through him like Casper the Friendly Ghost. You could have hugged him. This is why John, the guy writing this letter, reminds the church in 1 John, he says, I saw Jesus. He says, I touched Jesus. I ate with Jesus. The last meal, you may know, John was reclining on Jesus, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Can you imagine reclining on Jesus and just listening to him teach? But there are some who deny that Jesus came in the flesh. Now, why does that matter? Why does that matter? You might be thinking, why does that matter? If Jesus didn't come in the flesh, he couldn't have bled and died for your sins, and therefore he can't be a savior. So you have to decide, is Jesus a savior or not? Is Jesus just a good teacher or is he a savior? In order to be a savior, he needs to have a divine nature and a human nature. He needs to come God in the flesh so that he can be a sinless sacrifice and bleed on the cross for our sins. And this is what Christians have always believed, but there are some who denied it then even as some deny it today. This is why it's so important. Just because somebody uses the name Jesus doesn't mean they believe what the Bible means when it talks about Jesus. Mormons, for instance, believe that Jesus has not always been God, but he was once just a man and he became God, and that he's actually the brother of Lucifer. 
Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus isn't God, but he is rather Gabriel the archangel. So if Jesus isn't God, he can't be a sinless sacrifice. If Jesus didn't have flesh, he couldn't have bled and died for us. So it matters not just that we use the name Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It matters that we understand what we mean when we say, I'm trusting in Jesus. So truth separates. There were false teachers then, just as they are now. And truth separates. Satan is the father of lies, and those who spread those lies are deceivers and are against Jesus. Look what it says in verse 7. They are deceivers and antichrists. Antichrists. So antichrists refer to anyone who teach false things about Jesus. And John says many deceivers are out there. Many antichrists are out there. They call themselves Christians, but what they teach is contrary to the Scripture. So what's your job as a Christian? Your job's to know the Scripture. Let me tell you an interesting story in the book of Acts. In Acts 17, Paul is preaching in a town called Thessalonica, and they kick him out in the middle of the night, and he goes to the next town. It's a town called Berea. You know, there's a lot of churches called Berean church. That's where it comes from. And the Bereans, the Bible says, were more noble-minded because they listened and then they searched the scriptures. You see, friends, this is your job. It's to search the scripture. If I'm saying something that doesn't come from scripture, you are under no obligation to believe it or agree with it. But if what I'm saying comes from Scripture, then it's not my word, it's the word of God. I'm just the messenger. You know that old phrase, don't shoot the messenger. It's God's word. It's not changing. And so truth reveals where we stand, and truth also separates true teachers from false teachers. And it matters. Look at verse 10. Look what it says in verse 10. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, that is the gospel, That is the word of God. It says, don't bring this, don't receive them into your house. Don't receive them into your house or even give them a greeting. Because if you give a greeting, you take part in their wicked works. So truth matters. It separates. It reveals. It's important to understand that John is writing to a church. And the churches would have met in a house. And so John is saying, Don't just invite somebody in and say, why don't you preach to us, brother? And then they come up and they say things that are false. Because if they say things that are false, people might be led astray. And if you stray from the gospel, there is no salvation apart from the gospel. False teaching leads to judgment. It leads to condemnation. And if I'm honest, it leads to hell. So John is loving them by saying, listen, friends, Study the word of God, hold fast to it, abide in it. And if anybody comes and says something different than the word, don't just let them into the church to, to spew lies. That'll deceive people, it'll confuse people. And God is not a God of confusion. Well, how do we apply this today? Just because everybody's reading a book doesn't mean it's good. Just because everybody loves a preacher doesn't mean he's right. So how do we know what's good? How do we know what's right? Say, I'll ask Adam. Well, you can do that, but you can also just study the word. 
You can study the Word and be a Berean and search the Scriptures. So we have to be discerning. We have to test all things according to Scripture. Truth matters because it reveals and it separates. So our job as Christians is to know the Word. Our job as parents is to teach our kids the Word. Our job as individuals is to make sure that we're in the Word daily so we're sharp and we're alert so that we don't become deceived and lose our reward. Well, we're not only to know the truth, we're to walk in the truth. Look in verse 4, John says, I'm glad to see that some of your children are walking in the truth just as we received commandment from the Father. Now that's sobering, isn't it? Some of your children. The reason John writes this letter is because not everybody's walking in the truth. And listen, it's no different today. Not everybody's walking in the truth. And my encouragement to you today, if you're here and you're not walking in the truth, my goal is not to crush you, it's to build you up. My goal is not to discourage you, it's to encourage you to leave knowing Jesus and following his word. So we're to abide in the word, we're to walk in the word. John 4, I'm sorry, in verse 4, John refers to walking in the truth. And in verse 6, he says, we're to walk in God's commands. And in verse 9, he says, abide in the teaching of Christ. The truth isn't just what we agree with. It's what we're supposed to live out. Listen, maybe you grew up in a church that you didn't see this modeled. Maybe you saw your mom and dad, amen, amen. But then they went home and they lived out a whole different kind of life. That's called hypocrisy. And that does not glorify God. We as Christians, we want to know know the truth, but we want to live it out. And when we fail, we want to confess. We want to say, forgive me. I I wasn't walking in obedience to the scripture. And so we're to walk in the truth. The truth matters because we're to live it out. The psalmist says that the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. God's word, God's truth is to be heard and believed You know, the Bible says we're to be hearers, but not heroes only, but doers. Does it glorify God just to hear? No. It glorifies God when you hear and believe and obey. And obey. Truth for life. We're to walk in it. We're to walk in the light as he is in the light. And right here in this passage, there's a great sense of what it means. False teachers, the deceivers, the antichrist, they believe what they want so they can live however they want. They believe whatever they want so they can live however they want. So it's important that we as believers know the word, that we hide it in our hearts so that we can run from false teaching and run to the truth of God's word. So practical stuff. Let me give you something practical. Be in the word daily. Daily. So just, a, just an encouragement to you. As you leave today, we've got little, little devotionals called the, the Bread of Life. It's, it's a little devotional, and every day you can read one, and it just has Scripture. You can memorize Scripture. I don't, remember the, I don't know the last time you memorized Scripture, but just memorizing Scripture is a great way to encourage yourself to walk in the light. No wonder that John says, look at verse 8. Look at verse 8. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. John is not saying you can lose your salvation. 
It's really clear because in verse 2, he says that the truth abides in us forever. If you belong to Jesus, if you've been born again, the Spirit of God is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. You will make it. You will persevere. But John is saying we as Christians, we can be discouraged by lies. We can be set back by lies. And if you've ever been deceived, it will set you back in your walk with Christ. So John says, watch yourself. Watch yourself. Walk in the truth. And number two, love in the truth. If you look at verse three, John says, grace, mercy, and peace be with us from God the Father and Jesus Christ in truth and love. So God's grace flows through God the Father, through a relationship with Jesus Christ, so that we can walk in truth and love. Now, can I be honest with you for a moment? Sometimes people think that you either have to believe in the truth or be a person of love. Some people think I'll either be a person who stands for the truth or I'll be a person who loves. But God is both. God is both true and he is loving. And Jesus is both. Jesus is filled with truth. He is the truth, but he's also loving. And so we as Christians should learn the truth and walk in the truth, and it will make us loving. The community of faith is to be a place of love. Um, Maybe you've had this experience of meeting a new Christian somebody you've never met before, and you meet them, and in a short amount of time, you find out that they believe in Jesus, and you do, and you agree in the general truth of the gospel, and you just meet the person, and already you feel like you love them. God's word unites us. There's a lot of people in our society looking for unity, and they're trying to find it in all the wrong places. The only place for true and lasting unity is the person of Jesus and his word. God's word is true, and it makes us loving. Look at verse 6. This is love that we walk according to the commandments, just as we have heard from the beginning that we should walk in it. What commandment is he talking about? That we walk according to the commandments. Well, look at verse 4. In verse 4, he says, I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded. So what is the commandment? It's to walk in the truth. Love is walking in the truth. Husbands, if you love your wives, you're going to walk in the truth. Wives, if you love your husbands, you're going to walk in the truth. Friends, if you love each other, you're not just going to say what the other person wants to hear. You're going to say what's true. Now, understand, you can say what's true in an unloving way, And maybe you've had that experience of being around somebody who knew the truth, but they were kind of harsh with it. Don't be like that. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul warns, he says, if you have all knowledge, but don't have love, I am nothing. That's powerful. If you know everything, if you memorize the whole Bible, but you don't put it into practice in love, Paul says, you are nothing. That doesn't impress God. God's not up in heaven going, wow, you memorized a lot of verses, but you're not loving. So as Christians, we want to walk in the truth in love. What does that look like? Well, you know this passage because you've been to a wedding. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It does not seek its own. So when you share the truth, share it with kindness. Be patient with the other person. 
things don't get corrected overnight that have taken years to formulate. So the Bible is encouraging us that the truth should turn us into loving individuals who bear with one another and share the good news of the gospel. Well, look at verse 12. Look at verse 12. John says, though I have much to write you, I would rather use paper, not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to talk to you face to face so that our joy may be complete. So what's in it for you? If you commit your life to Jesus, to the truth of the Bible, if you walk in the truth, and if you love according to the truth, if you let the word define love and not our culture, what's in it for you? Joy. Joy is in it for you. John says, when I connect with you, brothers and sisters, and we unite in the gospel, our joy is complete. Listen, this world cannot complete your joy. Telling people what they want to hear will not complete your joy. Just spewing your opinion will not complete your joy. God's word in you, living through you by the Spirit, will complete your joy, our joy so that we'll be a community of love and truth and joy. Truth matters. It matters for life. It matters for walking. It matters for love. And so let's commit ourselves to Christ and to his word. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we confess that we have neglected your word. I confess, Lord, that I sometimes give it not as much time as I should. Lord, some of us are here, and it's been a while since we read the Bible. Maybe never. Lord, maybe right now someone's falling under conviction that they might not really know you because they don't care about your word. And maybe for the first time, they're being honest about that. Oh, Lord, don't leave them there. Bring them to life. Bring them to Christ. I pray, Lord, that life would start today for someone, new life, real life, eternal life. Father, those of us who have been walking with Christ for some time but are just discouraged, would you revive us, God? Would your spirit, even right now, just encourage us, lift our hearts? Lord, I pray that you would enable us to find someone else that we can encourage with the word, not harshly, but lovingly. I pray that everyone who comes to Calvary would encounter the truth in love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.